Is your New Year's resolution to run a half marathon? Is your goal in 2019 to run more? Do you want to learn how to run effortlessly and pain-free? Run with Costanza has opportunities for you to hit your goals, even if you're a beginner. From the 20th of January, you can join Costanza's workshop, and by the end of this 16-week course, you can run the 21-kilometer Dreilander Lauf in May. The program includes the workshop, 16 weeks of custom training via Final Surge, strength training and strengthening exercises, unlimited online communication with certified instructor Constanza, weekly coaching sessions on Saturday mornings, and the race registration. This woman's only course will ensure your running goals are met. Contact Costanza at runwithcostanza.com. For a shorter workshop for men and women, join in the one-day course with Costanza on the 20th of January. That website again, runwithcostanza.com. Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Swiss Pats. I am Don Delco and joining me as always is Susie Lyon. G'day. So we have a part two of our interview with the wine guru coming up. Uh, Juan Lobello uh, joined us uh, before the holidays to talk about his business, The Wine Guru on Wheels. Last week, uh, the interview was mostly just about what he does and why he does what he does. This one, we split it up into two. We, we, uh, we put out some questions on Facebook. We had a lot of good wine questions. So this week, it's Juan answering a bunch of your wine questions. Swiss Pats Q&A. Swiss Pats Q&A. Gotta love it. Yeah. So, Susie, before we get to Juan Lobello, yeah. I love saying that. Yeah, it's a nice name. Just rolls off the tongue. It's actually one of the few interviews we've had where I haven't butchered the name. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we do a pretty good job of getting names wrong. Yeah. It drives my wife nuts. Yeah. We also can't pronounce any French or German words. No. No. I feel like we we make a good attempt at the German words, but yeah, the French I ones, mean, forget it. Yeah. I mean, it we can be pretty bad at the German words, too. Yeah. Sometimes uh, that can that can prove difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad. It's bad. But um, I have a little story for you. Um, story time with Susie? Story time. Have you, have you worked out that story time jingle yet? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. That would take way more effort. I was going to say that needs to be inserted right here. Now, um, you know, Don, that I have had run-ins with the police in Basel. Very, this is... Frequently. This is frequently. Yeah, so frequent I've occurrence. had lots of um, speeding tickets. Um, I've had interactions with actual police on the street um i've had parking tickets i've had um uh interactions about car pollution noise or something all sorts of stuff you have not spent a night in jail i have not yet yet yeah i mean it's sure to come we 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 talked about a couple of months ago about a guy going to jail instead of paying a fine that would be me that i would do that but this i did not go to jail Actually, I didn't have a run-in with a police officer, um, but I did have uh, an interaction with a, a member of uh, authority. Oh, uh, so an old person? No, no, they no. They like to think they're this the is, authoritarian. This is a uniformed, uniformed member of Basel's Gemeinde. He might actually be a policeman. I don't know. I don't know what they are. Someone might be able to tell me. 
So, um, but he had a uniform. He had a uniform, okay. uh, and he issued me a ticket. <laughs> um, now, this is a this is a good story. This is an uplifting story. This is not a sad story. This is not which results in me crying in the corner because I got another ticket for being a bad member of Basel society. Um, so. Every year that I've been here, I've purchased a uh, tram ticket for the year. Um, And, you know, they're cheaper if you buy them by the year because you get a couple of months free. You get like, I think a month and a month and a half, maybe even two months worth of travel for free. So that's how I've always done it. And then this year, I just forgot. I just totally forgot. It did not cross my mind at all. Um, And you know, Christmas passed, New Year's passed, my kids went back to school. It's, you know, the second day back to school and there, a man comes and stands next to me and asks me for my ticket. And I oh, knew as soon no. as he, as soon as he stood next to me, I was like, oh crap, I forgot to renew my ticket. So let me just stop you right there. The way you ride the trams here in all of Switzerland, mostly, but especially here in Basel too, is it's usually on the honor system. So yeah. you don't have to, every time you get on public transportation, you don't have to show anything. You don't have to get anything stamped. If you have that yearly pass that you have, you just you just get on. And there's spot checks. Right. And you've got spot checks. Yeah, there's always, um, there's kind of a pattern to their spot checks as well. They usually check on um, after holidays, after school yeah. holidays. Obviously the new year, which is just shows how silly I was because they, they always check in the new year because a lot of people renew um, after the holidays at um, January. Um, and, you know, certain times of, of the month, right at the beginning of the month, again, when people renew. So I, I should have known better. And I, d- I just had no excuse. And I, you know, I said, ich vergessen, ich gone to the guy. And I, I, I have it. There's an app that you, you can start do to it cry. On. No, I did not. Oh. I did not. Um, I was with my kids. We were on the way to school. So obviously every parent and their child (laughs) could see me getting uh, in trouble for not having a ticket. Now, the man, he only spoke German to me and I did my best to speak German uh, back to him. And I've noticed, again, let me stop you, in these times of dealing with authorities, they could totally speak English. Right. But I think they just do that to add that level of intimidation. Oh, That's the feeling I totally, get, right? Totally, totally. This guy, I mean, I didn't speak English to him, but this guy, I don't know if he, I'm sure he realized, but, right. you know, he, he didn't attempt to speak English no. to me. Okay, so. So he um, starts, he takes me off the tram. Luckily, it was the stop for my kids. And he starts to tell me something in German. And I think I got the gist of it. And he asked me if I had a half card or, a, you know, a Swiss pass. And I, and I said, yes. Um, I did not have a ticket. Like I, I was traveling for free on the tram by accident. And he said something to me about my half pass. And if I go to Barfusaplatz, my ticket will be reduced. So I wasn't really sure because I knew that if I went to Barfusaplatz, I wouldn't have a ticket to show them, you right. know, because there is this thing that if you say, say you purchase your ticket on, on the app and your phone runs out, you still have a ticket, but you can't prove it. So then you get a ticket and then you take it to Barfusaplatz when your phone is charged, you show them your ticket and they reduce your ticket to five francs. So it's an administration fee. Sure. So he's saying something to me about five francs and Barfusaplatz, but I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to show these people. Well, it turns out this guy did me a massive favor. I'm probably, 
I won't say, you know, I won't tell you anyone his name. He gave me a ticket for not having my half pass. He didn't give me a ticket for not having a, a tram pass, a tram ticket. Oh, that was really nice of him. So I was like, he was saying this to me and I was like, okay, you, you know. Feeling like you're getting like, and, yeah. and I'm, you know, and I was polite to him and, and everything. I didn't have a ticket. I, I deserved to give fine sort of thing. So I wasn't upset or anything like that. I, you know, I just felt like an idiot for forgetting. But then when I went down there and they asked me for my Swiss pass and I showed it, I only had to pay five francs. He did me like the biggest favor. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And then, so my, I asked my daughter to explain what he said. And basically what he said was he could have given me a ticket for a hundred francs for not having a ticket. But he was giving me a ticket for 75 francs for not having my Swiss pass. And then because I could prove I had my Swiss pass, it was reduced. Nice. Yeah, so, so it's nice to have that interaction with somebody where it, it, it clearly they can use their discretion, which just makes me mad about all the other times that they haven't. Well, it, it is nice to see that they – we've typically said, especially on this podcast before, it's very – they're very black and white. Right. Very black and white. Yeah. Your daughter was puking outside the car and yes. you pulled over the side of the road, but you didn't park in a certain, in the right area, even exactly. though your daughter was puking and you got a ticket. And I got a ticket, 120 francs. I right. There was no discretion me like, oh, well, her <laughs> five-year-old daughter was barfing her lungs out. Yeah. Like, yeah, she kind of had to pull over. Like there was none, but none at least that. it gives you some hope that. Exactly. I felt, you know, like, and I didn't like, I, I didn't plead with him or. You know, flirt with him <laughs> or, or even flirt. I said, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, That's what I do. It works for me. Yeah. But then, then I had another interaction only yesterday where a policeman, uh, I pulled up outside my own house, my own garage and a policeman came and he was, he was writing me a ticket. And I was like, I was unloading my car. I was taking groceries out of my car. You know what he did? He put his hands on my car and he said, it's cold. He didn't believe me. And I was like, well, do you want to come inside and see the groceries all over my kitchen floor? Like, <laughs> seriously. Help me put them away, buddy? Yeah, like yeah. if you want to help me put them away, that's fine. Uh, but he didn't give me a ticket either. But he, he was like, your car's cold. Are you sure you just, you're just oh, loading? My. I was like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, there you go. Always nice interactions with the uh, members of authority in Basel. It's so weird that this happens to you on a consistent basis. It is. It is. I have a face. A face that the <laughs> members of uh, the police and and such they want to deal with me. Do you do you always look guilty? Like you're up to no good? I don't know. That? I think that sometimes I can look a little not very friendly. Mm. That might help. But obviously, the tram guy thought I was was friendly enough. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't want to make my day bad. That's awesome. That's good that it ended in a in a positive note. So yeah. So so there you go. That my advice is just to. To be apologetic if you don't have a ticket, maybe you'll get away with it. I really don't know how I managed that one. No, that's quite impressive. So um, I think it's time to get to our, our Q&A with Juan Lobello. Again, last week's episode, uh, if you go back just one episode, uh, we sat down with Juan and he is uh, he explained his business called Wine Guru on Wheels, what he does, why he does it. Um, it was a really great interview. I've had got a lot of good feedback from from Juan's appearance, they really kind of uh, liked his story and like what he does. And it's and if you love wine, I mean, this is this is for you. If not, then fast forward. It's your thing. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, is we open it up uh, on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Swiss Pats, and we ask people, hey, what 
questions do you want to ask the wine guru about wine? So we had some really good ones, uh, and then we, we pitched him to one, and he gave him his answer. So I forget whether we asked, how do you drink wine without getting a hangover? No, we didn't ask him. I don't think on air. Yeah. We know off air. <laughs> so that one's not in there. No, it's not. All right, so here is Juan Lobello. Yodelay! We've uh, we put to our listeners, a, uh, you know, a request for mm-hmm. for questions, mm-hmm. um, and and we had quite a few responses, and we have those questions for you now. Okay. Yes. So we have some of the better ones, um, and we're gonna start. <laughs> yeah. no. Sorry oh. if you didn't make the cut. No, yeah. really. <laughs> uh, we're gonna start with Melanie, and Melanie asked, what. Uh, is the difference in taste between cold climate wine and warm climate wine? Should one be considered over another depending on season or meal? Ooh la la, Melanie. (laughs) That's a good one because that opens up a little bit of um, um, one of the key elements that affect uh, the style and quality in wines, which is where the grapes have grown or where do they come from? So the... In terms of white grape varieties and red grape varieties, this is the same, it applies for both, basically. Um, obviously, grape varieties will adapt. There are certain grape varieties, this is like different plants, yeah? They will need certain amount of heat to be able to grow, um, and they will never grow in different places, yeah? There will always be, there will be specific grape varieties that need certain requirement of heat specifically. So they will they will only be cool you know grow on cool climates better yeah and other grapes that they will require hot climates uh, or warmer climates to grow so the main so the main distinction starts from the grape variety itself yeah that the one grape certain grapes will be adapted to the two uh, environments and they will grow there better. Um, then, in terms of key characteristics, when we're talking about white grape varieties, uh, generally, you do tend to move in terms of aroma and flavor profile. You, de- you tend to move from the green, greener elements, the green fruit or the herbal uh, characters in terms of aromas and fruit, to more the tropical so let's say uh, a cool climate Riesling, to make an example, uh, in the Mosul, will be more green, more floral, and more um, sort of um, green apple type of character. But as the same grape variety is planted in a warmer area, it can go through more, you know, develop the fruit character into peach or citrus first, then peach, and potentially can move to something more tropical like uh, like mango or, you know, bananas or pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that is the key difference. So basically the climate, a cool climate, a uh, great variety in whites. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you later in reds. In white, will end up being first of all, uh, in terms of flavor and and character and aroma characters, more on the green herbal element, and the 
warm climate will actually be more on the tropical side. Yeah. Um, also, the key element here would also be the acidity, and that's what it touches into the style. Because in a warmer climate, you expect less acidity as the, as the grapes are more ripened. So more sugar, more ripened in the skins, acidity will be lower. In comparison to a, a wine that actually grows on a cool climate, where you do have a higher level of, of acidity, because... Level, lower levels of alcohol, higher level of acidity, more green character. So those are the two worlds. And that can happen with the same grape variety. So uh, Chardonnay, for example, cool climate would be Chablis. Warm climate could be Australia, uh, the US, uh, certain parts of the south of France, uh, certain the south of Burgundy as well. Um, that are warmer, yeah, and then we will have different different styles. One will go more for the tropical, the other one will go more for the green, and the acidity higher and the acidity lower here. So, and then that gives you also for the matching element, you know. So, let's say the the cool climates are going to suit more for lighter type of food and more aperitif style. They're going to be more about the wine. The other ones are going to be bolder, bigger, and they will actually be able to take on food that is heavier um, and, you know, because the wine will be heavier. The food and, and match is another thing that yeah. we need to talk about yeah. because it's not about That's also... A whole lesson. It's a whole lesson because it's the interaction of flavors in the wines. But these are the two elements, yeah? Does it yeah, explain? That, uh, to me, it makes perfect sense. So basically, so if you had something like a Chardonnay, it would depend where it was yes. where it was um, grown. So, you know, I, I like Chardonnay. Okay, but do I like Australian Chardonnay? Do I like, you know, some, something from a colder region, you know, from the Alsace? Or they don't make Chardonnay in no, the Alsace, they do they? <laughs> I, see, I knew that. As soon as I said it, I knew I made a mistake. A little, there's a little bit, but yeah. they use it for sparkling. Yeah, so, but like it would, it, the two would be different. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's interesting. So thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. Um, okay. The next one is from Greg and it says, uh, Greg asked, what is, uh, what is, actually, what is in rosé wine? What is that made out of? Rosé wines are actually uh, produced with red grape varieties that you have, you stop the, basically, the, this is, there's two big ways of producing. When you're producing white grapes, uh, wine with white grapes, you uh, do not use the skins on the fermentation process, mm -hmm. okay? Now there are orange wines that they do, but forget about that. <laughs> so you don't use the skins on the fermentation process. Yeah, you ferment the clean juice. Okay. In red wines, you use the skins because you need to extract tannins, aromas, color. Um, that all the aromas and all the everything is in the skins for whites and reds. Yeah, but in reds you need to extract that, so you ferment with the skins. In the rosé. What you do is you have a red grape variety, okay, that potentially has been picked a little bit early to have a little bit more acidity than, than if that red variety would be produce, used to produce a wine, a red wine. 
you pick it up a little bit early, and then you have a very short period of skin contact, no more than 36 hours, or well, 72, but no more, no, 36, <laughs> um, and even less. Just a little bit of contact to extract flavors, aromas, and a little bit of color. And then you drain off the skins and you ferment the liquid only as you would do a white wine, which is with lower temperature to preserve the aromas, the fruitiness of, of the wine. And that's what you do. So, so it's, it's, it's almost a rosé is almost a wine that started their life as a red wine, but they finished their life as a white wine. Interesting. There you go. All right, the next one is from Anne, and she is wondering why do some Syrahs have a toffee taste? <laughs> this, the, the toffee taste um, is not only related to Syrahs, uh, Shiraz or Syrah. Um, how do you say in Australia? Shiraz. Shiraz. Yeah. Uh, or Syrah yeah. in, in the French side. Um, so... The toffee taste comes from the maturation in oak. That's where the toffee, the our caramel or toastiness comes. So it's basically, it can happen in any wine, in any red wine that has been mature in oak. Not necessarily specifically about Shiraz. Um, and uh, it has to do also, the level of toffiness sometimes, if you perceive it, has also to do with the level of toastiness that the barrel might have or how new it is. The, more, the newer the, bar, the barrel, the more toast <laughs> inside the barrels because you need to, they need to toast the barrels as well. Uh, the higher the level of toastiness, it will end up imparting more of that sort of toffee uh, uh, flavor in, in, in the wines. So, but it can happen to any grape variety, red grape variety that has, you know, to, to, to been put in maturation with oak as well. That's where it comes I from. have never actually noticed personally, but <laughs> that's cause I'm not educated enough, I guess. I have one from Emma. Um, it's maybe a little bit connected to, to like the toffee thing. And she says, um, if something says, if some, if a wine says it's flowery, does that mean it has flowers in it? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, we are, we here we're talking about all about aroma perceptions, which is a it's a it's a, it's a whole world. Um, but wine is a chemical uh, product, and and what we smell are the smells of of the chemical compounds or the chemical reactions that have happened when the wine was fermented or, the, or, or when it was mature or how it was produced or, or, or specifically about the grape variety as well, uh, that they will have certain sort of aroma profile. As I said at the beginning, you know, cool climates tend to be more for the green elements or vegetable and then cool cli hot climates go for more tropicals in white. Yeah? In red is black fruit, the hot climate red and more red fruit like cherries or strawberries or something in the red fruit zone for the cool climate reds. Yeah. So um, the, the aromas then 
have something to do with all these chemicals that are there. And then when we approach them, you know, that's why everyone can, you know, they, it takes a lot. You, we have a, a sort of, a, we go to our visual back bank of memory aromas that we have grown with or we have learned to, you know, acquire over time. And, um, and we apply and smell, <laughs> you, you know, uh, and then our, our brain goes, mm, go pick up something. I said, oh, okay, this is, smells like this. It's similar to this. Okay. But, uh, but, but it's that. So, so it's a representation of an aroma that we smell and not necessarily uh, something that has been infused it's in the water. It's all about the chemicals. It's all about the chemicals, actually. It's all about the chemicals and how those chemicals smell and then how we interpret them. That's why lots of people, there are certain things that you do, there is consensus about, that lots of tasters will have consensus about smells in a wine, especially when it relates to different specific characteristics of grape varieties that smell with specific aromas. And also, if we use oak, tend to be in a sort of parameter of aromas or smell because of oak. And then when the wine age in the bottle, you also have it, you know, what's called tertiary aromas that also have another set of aromas that tend to be standard. But, um, you know, outside that, everyone can smell what they can smell. And there's nothing wrong with not smelling anything until you basically train yourself to smell things. And then you have these little eureka moments about, oh, I noticed for the first time something citrus, you know, or lime. And then, and, then, and then you will be able to pick up lime in other ones. But if you haven't had that eureka moment, forget about it. Okay, this is the uh, last one we have time for, and it's from Stacy, and she's wondering what are some good gift wines for under about fifteen francs dollars, kind of that that it, that price range. Um, Susie, Stacy, Stacy, Stacy. Um, so uh, that's a very good question, Stacy, because I think it's one of the conundrums that people. Does it does it work? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm choose. Sometimes I surprise myself <laughs> um, that people have when, when you buy wines, especially when you buy wines from others, which is I can see is where the pressure, you know, is, is greater. Um, I think I would say that as a, as a, as a you know, the, the first thing that you can try to do is do I know this person or do I know this, this person? You know, do I have a feeling if they like black, black uh, sort of red or white, you know, that would be one thing. Because if sometimes uh, you have people that are very, I like only white, so I like only red. So that's the first thing. I mean, let's, let's make a, um, a broad generalization of what people might like. Then I would say simple. Wine is about fruit. And then what People, if you don't know specifically if the people are interested in a specific country or in a specific grape variety, wine is always about fruit. And fruit, to, to have somehow guarantee of fruit, you need to have grapes that are fully ripened. So my rule of thumb will be, let's go for a place that is sunnier. So 
if you know nothing about this person, I will say uh, let's let's at least have a guarantee that the the, the fruit has ripened, okay? Because you don't know what the winemaker might have done, uh, you know, to make it if it's much more commercial. Under the fifteen, we can have a white, you know, people doing something responsibly and over delivering for the price, or people just just delivering. Uh, <laughs> uh, or people under delivering but what I will say is that I will go for a warm area if you ask me because at least have guarantee that the, the grape varieties have ripened so south of France Spain south of Portugal Portugal um, south of Sicily south of Italy uh, Australia Argentina obviously Chile uh, the US South Africa. I would go for a warm, guarantee warm place that the grapes have ripened. Um, because you do tend to have a lot under 15. That's the thing. In yeah. the, under 15, the new world will most likely over deliver in comparison with the traditional countries of the, of the old world. So, new world. Um, and then I would, this is, a, this, is a, this is a little tip, I would go and check for certain quality cues that the wine might have if we are in a supermarket. Things like uh, reserva or reserve or that gives me a little bit the level above the standard, okay? Um, that is simple if, if it's there in generally in... in uh, ones from the new world you tend to have that and another one is just checking the alcohol level because if you know nothing you just can at least infer that if you have a somehow higher alcohol level that means those grapes have ripened ah. okay and you want to trust that the winemaker has done a good job on balancing that high level of alcohol and what number is that? So in red wines, I would say 14% around that. And then in white wines, I would say around the 13%. So you basically kind of guarantee that the grapes have ripened, that there's going to be fruit there to a different extent without knowing anything, and that you trust also these are the, the caveats. You trust also that the, the, the winemaker has done a good job on balancing all and producing a good bottle. And by getting them a higher percentage wine, you're going to get them drunk too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Responsible drinking, guys. Yeah. Mindful drinking, guys. Yeah. Mindful drinking. Thanks, Juan. Some really good, uh, good stuff and good questions and good answers there. Before we get on to some news, we'd like to thank Jonathan Martin of a Shropshire lad in Switzerland. Uh, Jonathan is a good friend of ours who helps us provide some of these news stories we're going to talk about. Uh, follow him on Facebook uh, at Shropshire lad in Switzerland. Susie smiles every time I say it because <laughs> I, you do not say it right. I don't say it right. Hi, please. It's a Shropshire lad in Switzerland. Shropshire. Shropshire is a county in the UK. There you go. There's not, a geography lesson for you, Don. Not Shropshire. No. I mean, I'm sure you could say it like that. So 
follow give his facebook page a follow it's great he uh he updates it throughout the week on all kinds of stuff that's going on news in english um yeah so it's kinda- a yeah really good sign you can you know have a discussion with other uh followers there about the news and and uh and see see what's happening in switzerland so the first thing i i want to bring up quickly um before we get to Susie's story the uh Let's see. The Switzerland has a new oldest inhabitant. Her name is Alice Schaufleberger, and she is 111 years old. But she's not the oldest person in the world. No. She's just the oldest in Switzerland. She's the oldest in Switzerland. She was born in Argyll in 1908. And she is, uh, so the life expectancy in Switzerland is 82. So she's almost about 30 years past that. Oh, it scares me to think of being alive for that long. Now, here's the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Susie. This is what what, uh, I find interesting. It says, Alice's husband passed away 80 years ago, but to this day, she still wears her wedding band. What her boyfriend thinks about that. (laughs) Which is very romantic, but I did the math. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you did. Took me an hour, but I did the math. So that means her husband died when she was about 31, okay? Or she was 31. So (laughs) it doesn't really say, like, was she just, that was it for the next 80 years? She just was like, okay. She's probably living her life, living her best life. (laughs) Hey, you're you're looking for me to be like, oh, yeah, she needs another man. (laughs) She needs a husband. We'll survive. We would survive, us women, without our husbands. Yeah, she's doing pretty good. She did pretty good for herself. Yeah, I mean, maybe she had kids to look after and, you know, life life happened. I personally, I'm, if I'm 111, I'm going to definitely make sure I'm in Switzerland so I can be... Is <laughs> the assisted uh, suicide. Exactly. There's, I mean, it, what's the quality of life? I'm guessing it's uh, it's a lot of soft foods, a lot of naps. <laughs> and no boyfriends. <laughs> no. I don't know. Maybe Alice is on Tinder. Who knows? Yeah, maybe she is. Good on her. Good on Alice. Hope she leads a, a long and fruitful life. Is fruitful the right word? Fruitful uh, means kids, doesn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, she's okay. past that part. <laughs> she's past the fruitful life part. All right, so I've got a story for you. <clears throat> this one's from Swansig Minuten. That's 20 minutes in English. Yeah. I mean, I probably didn't say it right, but anyway. Um, Every second Swiss person is annoyed at their neighbors. Can you believe that? This is a new study that shows that more than half of the Swiss are annoyed about their neighbors. And there's a bunch of reasons why with the percentages. Okay. What's your your guess on, on, on the most annoying thing that our neighbors do? Well, I'm just thinking about the annoying things that... I probably I do, as a neighbor. do as a neighbor. Yeah. And my guess is it is has to do with how loud we are. Yeah. So the first one with 23% of the respondents are annoyed by their noisy neighbors. Yeah. So people being on the phone, arguing. I mean, in your case, the kids jumping up and down on the ground slash roof for the people below you. Uh, with 20%, uh, neighbors are annoyed at cigarette smoke. Now, this one would pee me off if I lived. Pee you yeah. off. Well, you know, I want to make it child-friendly. Pissed is the word you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, 
Imagine if you were like sitting out on your balcony and you just got a whiff of your neighbor's cigarette smoke. Awful. And if you weren't a smoker. We had this uh, back in the States when we first moved into our condo. Every condo had like a little deck on the second floor and our neighbors would smoke and they go out on the deck and smoke and like like on the spring and fall and even the summer nights, I'd have to shut my window. Yeah. Because the, the smoke would come in. It's, it's, this gross. is one that I see come up on Facebook, you know, groups where like, how do I deal with my neighbor? I can't have my window open. My kids can smell it or I've got asthma. Like, so it, 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 the, the cigarette smoke, you know, it has an effect on a lot of people. So I'm not a smoker, but riddle me this. If you are a smoker and you smoke, <laughs> Why don't you just do it in your house? Why are you going outside on the on the back porch or the garden or whatever to smoke? Like, isn't that telling you something? Like, yeah, maybe it is kind of gross. Maybe I shouldn't smoke in the house, out the house, anywhere. Like, well, smoke in the house then if you're gonna smoke. It's your house. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm also not a smoker, but I don't. I can see why people don't smoke in their house. Like, I mean. That's pretty gross. Right. So maybe that should tell you, maybe I should quit. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's as black as, and white as, uh, as you'd like to think, Don. Then why start smoking in the first place? Oh, we're getting deep now. Now we're getting deep. Yeah. All I right, was around it so on. much and I never started. Well, I, I wasn't around it and I did start. I, nobody in my family smoked and I smoked when I was a teenager. Yeah. It's the thing that kids do sometimes, isn't it? Anyway, I quit when my, I was 19. I'd rather my kids get a face tattoo than no, you wouldn't. smoke. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Smoking, you can quit smoking. You can, I mean, you can get rid of a face tattoo, but it would be much worse than quitting smoking. I don't know. Get your priorities right. I don't face know. Tattoo. It's... Okay, the next... cover that up with makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the point then? Okay, next we've got dogs, barking and howling dogs in the house. Yep. That's the third annoying thing. Now, I don't hear dogs barking very often here. That's like one of the... You know, when I do hear a dog bark, it's like, you know, you you notice it Mm -hmm. because you very rarely hear them. So I've never noticed in my in my neighborhood dogs barking. But if somebody had a dog that barked a lot, you would probably be annoyed by it, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be the worst. Next is garden tools. For instance, loud lawnmowers or leaf blowers. <laughs> That's that is what a lawnmower and leaf blower they does. They make noise. They make yeah. noise. I suspect that the people that are annoyed by lawnmowers, what they're really annoyed by is the noise on like a Sunday. So it doesn't go into the detail on why someone's sure. complaining about a lawnmower. But I think some place, some communities, you can't even mow on Sunday. We can't mow in, in here on a Sunday no? where I live. No, we have to, we, we cannot, we're not allowed to. And we don't. So I imagine like it's not really people are complaining about lawnmowers. People are complaining about the time and date. Right. All right. Then we've got next 10% of the people surveyed for this have a problem with their nocturnal neighbors. There you go. Now, so I'm assuming if you are 
below somebody who's a, who is a night owl and they're walking around and watching TV, that would be annoying. Sure. But, you know, put, put earplugs in. Yeah, good sound machine. Yeah. People like to complain about a lot of things, don't they? They sure do. Seventh is sex noise. Ah. Yeah. That would be irritating. I don't I mean, know. If it's just once, just let them have their fun. Yeah. Don't complain about that. That's kind of what I'm thinking. If it's like, like four times a day every day, then still, maybe, I kind of maybe give them a, a therapist. Kind of in, I would have to I'd be kind of impressed by that. It's a well, lot. It wouldn't be the same person, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe the complaint would not maybe be about the noise. Maybe you're living somewhere <laughs> above something that's yeah. a little, yes. <laughs> All right. In eighth place is, now I can relate to this one, is Garden decorations. People complaining about <laughs> it. Wait a minute, wait a minute, it. wait a minute. All these things involve some sort of noise, and I get it. Or cigarette smoke is gross. Why are you complaining about what someone does to their garden? <sighs> right? Come on. There's a house near my house that um, their entire front yard is made out of um, bicycles. They've got their fences made out of bicycle wheels. They've got a bicycle hanging from their balcony. I mean, I would never complain about it. It's odd for sure, but sure. It's, I wouldn't complain about it. No. Now, the reason I can relate to this is because when I moved into my house, um, I had purchased a wind chime from <laughs> the Redwoods Forest in the US, and okay. I loved it. And my neighbors came knocking on the door and I thought they were like coming to introduce themselves like, hey, nice to meet you. They had pitchforks and, and, and tiki they were torches. Like, Take down those wind chimes. <laughs> and then um, a few weeks later, we invited them over for an apero and we asked um, the neighbor what, what he did for a living. And he told us he's a lawyer for tenant disputes. So we were like, oh, my God, thank God we took down those wind chimes and didn't fight it. Because I was so upset. I was like, they're my wind chimes. I want them up. But, you know, I I was respectful and, and you know, I didn't want to disturb their sleep, which apparently it was. So I took them wind down. Wind chimes. Yeah. So people have, a, you know, maybe a legitimate complaint. But I, you don't have a complaint if the neighbors have got a thousand garden gnomes. It's their, nah. their garden. They could do what they want. Exactly. Uh, ninth place, and this one annoys me, and I don't even live in an apartment block, is uh, strollers or prams in the hallway. Yeah, I could see that. It's annoying. It's where we parked ours. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Like, fold it up, put it away. Why? Because you're not using it. If it's not being used, you, that, that it's got a folding function for a reason. But if you walk in your apartment building in the little foyer, you walk down the stairs and to the right, there's like a little area that you just... Stick it out of the way. What's the difference? Well, if it's in the hallway, then it's in people's way. This is not in anybody's way. Well, maybe not at your place. Okay. But I've been in plenty of buildings where there's <coughs> strollers in the way. Yeah, that's annoying. If if you know it's like where people walk, then that's one thing. Parents are a special breed. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Parents with strollers are, are, are definitely special. I was one once. I miss it. I, I do not miss I it. I miss it. I do not. Well, that's that's what most people are annoyed about, but 42% are happy with their neighbors. It's pretty okay. high. I'm happy with my neighbors, and now my neighbors are happy with me. That's pretty good. Now that I've taken my wind chimes down. That's pretty good. I, yeah, my neighbors are fine. I don't really talk to them. I got, but you've also had a complaint. I have, but they handled it well. They yeah. handled, and I think we handled the situation fine, but 
But that's how I don't it know. should be. A lot of my neighbors are elderly ladies, and I got stuck in the elevator with one yesterday. We have this small elevator, and I'm on the top floor. And like I, I came in after dropping the kids off from school. She was in the laundry, and it kind of synced up to like where we. I couldn't, I couldn't delay it enough, so I had to ride the elevator up with her. Right. Oh, man. And in my best English, you know, V Gates. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, she, I think she's telling me that she has to have surgery or that she's dying or something. Like she, like I was like, oh, V Gates, and she was like, Nisar Gut, and I'm like, <laughs> oh shit. And then she just like went on for like five minutes to the point like somebody else was trying to like use the elevator. This was thank God it was my out. I was like, oh, I think somebody needs to use the elevator. And then she still <laughs> went on for another like minute talking about like she was showing me like she was pointing to her ribs or like something like. You should go and make her a, you know, a bunch of flowers or something. Go be a neighborly neighbor. She sounds like she needs someone to talk to. Yeah. I, I just kept, all I could say is, oh, it's too lied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was being empathetic, but I also didn't quite know what she was saying. Yeah. It's hard. And, uh, it's, you know, I don't know. I felt bad, but I just wanted to also just get upstairs. Yeah. I, I, I think you should go and visit her. Go oh. sit down, have a cup of tea with her. Be a good neighbor. Yeah. Well, that does it for another edition of Swiss Pants. So yeah. I got to go have tea with my neighbor. Uh, as always, you can follow us on our social media channels, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify. all that good stuff. Um, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell your neighbors, whether you like them or you don't like them. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. Yeah, we will. Have a good one. See ya. Yummy, bon, taste it off and set it.